morning and and thank you for the for the music um it was very moving and, and the fact that we had the opportunity to come together to remember the lord during these times it's uh it's a beautiful thing too i'd invite you to turn with me please in your bibles um to the epistle of james and we want to take a look at this passage um this morning together i love this passage but quite frankly it's very convicting um it's very convicting it's a very practical book in the new testament you know in our lives, we all are looking for real things. I don't know if you've ever had imitation coffee or imitation leather or imitation ice cream. It's just not real, right? It's just not real. Um, James is going to talk about real faith. There's 50 million Americans that say that they belong to the Lord Jesus. And why is that exactly? Is it because they put a bumper sticker on the back of their car? Is that why? Or, or, or is it because they raised their hand in some meeting similar to this one? Or, or maybe they came and they stood at the altar down in, in front during some kind of a call? I mean, honestly, only God knows hearts. But James is in a position to say to believers, listen, this is what real faith is. And God wants my faith to grow. He's not so interested in keeping me comfortable. God wants my faith to grow. How is he going to do that? By giving me everything I want? No. He's going to give me the opportunity to become more like the Lord Jesus, and that's going to happen through pressure. It's going to happen through trials. It's going to happen through some pain. God uses those things so that I can become more like the Lord Jesus. It's really amazing. And friends, I want you to know there's so many believers, they have no idea what God is doing in their lives. There's so many bookstores that are filled with titles of books that would sound as if, you know, um, how come this is happening to a good person like me? I mean, I'm just following in simple obedience. The answer is found in the book of James. It's found for us here. So I just hope that all of us are, would be receptive to these two weeks, God willing, and that we would have the opportunity to come to appreciate this passage, these books. I, I grew up in a chapel just so similar to this, and I, I grew up with knowledge, and I grew up with the stories, and I grew up with the verses, and, and you would get stickers if you could say the verses, but, but somehow or another, that really never translated over into the principle, the, the practical aspect of it. I knew, I knew the accounts, some of them anyway. The question is, did it make any impact? Look, look, we take this verse, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. I love that verse. If this God, this radical change has happened inside of me, this, this God of the universe has come to invade me, and, and, and there's no change? There's no change in my behavior. There's no change in the way I spend my money. There's no change in my time. There's no change in my attitude towards others. Mm. James says, your faith, then you got to look and examine it. He doesn't say faith without works is a sick faith. He's going to say it's a dead faith. So let's take a look at this passage this morning. The epistle of James, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, 
knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. It will be given to him. James starts off this letter. I, I don't know how you write letters or emails today, but generally we teach the boys and girls at school that there should be a greeting. Well, James has a greeting. James says he's a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he's, he historically, I believe, is a half-brother of the Lord Jesus. But in John's Gospel in chapter 7, the Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus has this conversation, and they, his brothers say, if you want to be famous, then you've got to go where all of the people are. You've got to do the miracles, not in these small segments up in the north, You've got to go to Jerusalem city and make this all known. And it says this, neither then did his brothers believe in him. And that was pretty powerful. Neither then did his brothers believe in him. So you just connect those dots. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world did not know him. That is true. That he came unto his own and his own did not receive him. Even his own brothers did not believe in him. And the grace that is found in Christ is such that he doesn't exclude or kick to the curb his the James. Not at all. After the resurrection, James is going to be a believer. And as a, as a result of it, the Lord is going to use him mightily. The Lord is going to use him mightily. So how does he start? He does. He starts with a greeting. But look at verse 2. He says, my brother, encounter count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Listen, James drops a bomb on his readers in verse 2. If, if I wanted to write a letter, we teach the kids, have a greeting at the beginning, and then, you know what, you want to have some pleasantries, uh, maybe a connection. If I was going to ask Alan for some money, I would have a greeting, and then I would tell him how wonderful it is to walk and talk, and we could reminisce about the good old times, and then what's the purpose of the letter? Uh, James doesn't do that. In verse 2, he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. That's a bomb he drops. Consider it joy when you fall into trials. How, how would you like to get a letter like that? You know, you're going to have trials. You're going to have problems. I want you to count it all joy. Well, how do you do that? He's going to say in verse 3, the word knowing. Knowing. Because you know this. Knowing. Because you know these are the things that I want you to know. Well, what, what things? What are these things? What am I supposed to know? Count it all joy when. So the first thing I want you to know is you and I will fall into trials. That's God's design. Now, it's true. I, I live in, a, in the earth that's been cursed. It's true. I plant nothing and weeds grow here. It's true. And it is. But the verse doesn't say if you fall into trials. God is going to bring trials and problems and issues into your life. You can count on it. They're not electives. These are the required courses. You know, when I was in school, I, I, took, um, I took New Testament classes at Seton Hall. 
it was a class called Jesus in the New Testament. I mean, I, I didn't even have to buy the textbook. I, I just figured, you know, this, how hard could this be? I sort of grew up with this. That was an elective. I mean, as far as the heavy-duty classes in your major, you didn't have to, God is going to give you these trials. You can't opt out of them. So the first thing I want you to know is, he says, when you fall into trials, that will happen. Maybe some of you are going through trials right now. Trials, trials come in all different shapes and sizes, don't they? I mean, some of them last a very long time. If you're a parent, you can understand that. The trials last a very long time. Or sometimes they're just daily. Sometimes they're intense. Some of these trials are intense. And some of them, they're sort of like a dull pain. But all of these trials have a purpose. There's a purpose. So James says, I want you to count it all joy when you fall into trials. And then I want you to notice the word. He says, when you fall into the trials, when you fall into these trials, I fall into them suddenly. There's plenty of times in my life that I think to myself, how exactly did I get into this? Or you've said that too. How is this possible? You can't make this up. I don't plan on the trial a week from Thursday at two o'clock. I want you to count it all joy when you fall into various trials. When you fall into various trials. God uses pressure and he uses frustration and he uses conflict. These things have great value. They have great value. What is the value? He says, the testing of your faith, the testing of genuine faith is going to be refined. My faith is going to be purified. My faith is going to be stronger. This is how I am going to have the opportunity to grow. Friends, this is God's agenda. I have an agenda this week with going back to school. I have an agenda for, you know, the Labor Day weekend. You do too. What's God's agenda? It's not that he, he's not interested in my agenda, my career, my health. But God's agenda is to make me like Jesus Christ. Now, that's fantastic when you think about it. That's an honor that he who has begun a good work in me, he's not done with me yet. He's making me more like his lovely son. How does he do that? He does that through trials. Trials fortify my patience. They provide staying power under pressure. And they allow me to develop perseverance. Here's the hard part. Here's the hard part as I read this. And, and I've read this and you've read it. And, and if you haven't, that's okay too. I mean, it's, the hard part is, is that when the pressure comes into my life, I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily receptive to the pressure. 
I, I, I tend to run from the pressure. I tend to run from the trial. I tend to escape from the trial. I detour. You probably do too. We have the opportunity to detour. We're great at this. So just being transparent, I will tell you, I don't, I don't today have issues with alcohol unless you use it as medicine. Now that'll take pain away pretty quickly. I'm not so sure God is going to be able to grow my faith. If that's what I run to. I, I'm not against prescription medications. Not at all. Unless they're like the, the medicines that I had like a long time ago for some ailment that I have that I just sort of need now to help me get through what this is. See, I'm not so sure that, that God is going to be able to stretch my faith or use my faith if I run. We run, we run to, we run to all different types of things. In our world today, pornography is a billion dollar industry. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. There's so much shame involved in it. Oh yes, indeed there is. Indeed there is. Is it a diversion? Sure it is. Is online gambling a diversion? Sure it is. We run to the distractions, we detour. I detour. So I'll put myself out there. And maybe if you're honest with yourself, you're saying, okay, when the pressure comes or when the trial comes, do I let that process happen in my life? Do I allow it to purify my faith, fortify my patience, sanctify my character? Am I able to mark my progress? So that what does he say? He says that you may be, that you may be perfect, that you may be complete, that you may be lacking nothing. I mean, who is this? Well, that's Christ. That's Christ. And so in my life and in your life, God sort of takes the crutches away. He takes the things that I hold on to so dearly that I, I dearly need. Whatever those things are, he shakes those things up. Of course he does. Because his goal is that he might make me mature and perfect and complete lacking nothing. That's God's long-range goal for you. It's God's long-range goal. We, we love this verse in the book of Philippians where the apostle Paul says, that I might know him. And we all say amen to that, you know, that I might know him, that I might know the, the love of God and the grace of God and the goodness of God and, and, the, and, and, and the, just the, the beauty of the Lord, that I might know him course and then he goes on that i might know the power of his resurrection we all say amen to that that i can stand in newness of life that that my my i am dead and my 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 life is hidden with god in christ and 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 the life that i now live i live in faith by the son of god who loved me he gave himself for me that i might know the power of his resurrection in my life yes amen to that 
That I might know him. Sure. That I might know the power of his resurrection. And then the Apostle Paul says that I might know the fellowship of his suffering. See, that's hard. That's a very mature heart that could back up and say, Lord, would I have the opportunity, the honor, you could almost say that, to be able to say that I could suffer with you here, that I could suffer amongst your people here, so that in the ages to come, I could say, Lord, I, I entered into that opportunity. You granted me the opportunity. But that's a high advanced move. And I can't exactly say that I'm there. I love the first two parts of that, that I might know him and that I might know the power of his resurrection. But if you were gonna suggest the fellowship of his suffering, you know, I want you to know there's so many Christians that just don't have any idea what is God doing. How, how is God changing me? How am I supposed to become more like the Lord Jesus? So God is much more um, interested in my character and in my faith than, than in keeping me comfortable. And quite frankly, I, in the Northeast, in the United States, am comfortable. I mean, compared to some of the accounts that we've listened to for various missionaries and various folks who, who are serving but God's much more interested in building my character. How, how does he make me more like Christ? Well, there's two ways. John 17 says, sanctify them through your word. Your word is truth. God makes me more like the Lord Jesus through his word, without a doubt. And God makes me more like the Lord Jesus through the circumstances of trials, various trials that come into my life. You and I are on a character course, right? We love that verse, Romans 8, 28, where it says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Don't forget the next verse, Romans 8, 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's God's goal. These trials have the opportunity to make me more like Jesus. And so what does James say? He says, he says, brothers, brethren, he says, I want you to rejoice. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. We rejoice in the trial. I don't rejoice for the trial. It doesn't say that. I don't rejoice for the war. I don't rejoice for the doctor's news. No, I don't. But I rejoice in the trial. Or, or, or I would like to think that I could rejoice in the trial. That's hard for me. I can't control circumstances, but I can control how I'm going to respond. Knowing, like we shared this verse, that he who has begun a good work in you, he's not done with you. God is not done with me yet. That is so encouraging to me because there's so many times in my own life, in my own existence that I say, I'm done with me. You know, I, I, I don't know, but his grace is sufficient. Like we've just heard earlier and his grace is amazing for all of us. 
So I want you to be encouraged by this. These trials will come. The Lord Jesus said this while he was upon the earth. He said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. In this world, there's going to be trials. In this world, there's going to be frustration. In this world, there's going to be despair. And then he said this. He said, be of good cheer. Cheer up. Because I've overcome the world. Isn't that encouraging? I've overcome the world. This is temporary here. This is an opportunity for us to grow in our faith. It's an opportunity for us not to detour. It's an opportunity for us to allow God to conform me more like his lovely son. It's hard to, to mark that kind of growth. It's hard to look at a rubric of my life and say, am I doing better as far as the circumstances in my life? Am I handling these things better with more of a godly outlook on them? Look at verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives it all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Wisdom. Wisdom. If any of us lacks wisdom, we're all going to lack wisdom. Friends, wisdom is a word that is never going to appear in the New York Times. It, it, it's not going to appear in Scotch Plains Fanwood High School. That, that's, that's not where it's going to appear. I'll tell you what's going to appear at Scotch Plains Fanwood High School. Words like insight, informational text, intelligence, critical thinking. Because somehow or another, education is the tool that's going to break down all of these walls and it's going to sort of fix everything. I mean, I understand that kind of thinking. I get it, but it doesn't work. It's not with education. It's Christ who changes hearts. It's not education. Education and science and advances in medications and more quality of life and the automobiles we drive, all those things are true. Yes, more information. We can compile more. We can learn more about it. Those things are all true. But education doesn't change my heart. Education doesn't deal with these racial divides in our land. We, we've been talking about this for a long time now in our schools, how we can do this, how this is going to be the solution. No, wisdom is a moral word. It's a moral word. It deals with knowing how to live God's way how to make choices in the light of God's word, how to behave a behavioral system that emerges from my beliefs. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, this verse has been taken out of James chapter one and verse five and has been used in countless amounts of seminars and workshops and books and all this. Uh, Lord, I need wisdom in my marriage. I need wisdom with my finances. It says right here, and I claim this promise, if I lack wisdom, I'm asking you for help with this conflict. I'm, I'm not suggesting that that's wrong. Please, I'm not suggesting that's wrong. But I want you to know that James mentions wisdom as it's paired with the trial. James mentions wisdom with these various trials. Lord, I'm burdened today. 
you know, my son is making some really poor choices in his life. Lord, I don't understand this. Clearly, I don't, and I don't want to detour. So, Lord, I'm asking you to give me wisdom to say the right things to him because I don't want him to run. And, and, and Lord, I'm asking you to give me wisdom to exercise the self-control that your spirit has provided. Lord, I'm asking that you would give me wisdom as we sort of walk through pretty deep water here. You see the difference between that? Opposed to generically just asking for wisdom for a whole host of things and being able to ask for wisdom during the time of the conflict or during the time of the trial. So James says these things. He says, listen, I want you to count it all joy. That's hard. It's, it's, it's radical. I want you to rejoice when you, not if you, but when you fall into trials. Maybe that's happening to you right now. Maybe you're going through a trial right now. I guess my prayer for you and for all of us would be that we wouldn't detour and that we wouldn't run to the areas that don't give us the opportunity to let God work through the trial so that my faith being refined, which is much more valuable than gold, might have the opportunity to grow. James is going to go on in this, in this passage and uh, in a way, he's going to steal maybe a playbook out of what the Lord Jesus said. After the highest moral teaching in all of the world, of all of the world, which is the Beatitudes, it gave a prompting statement of, okay, or so what, or what now? And right after the Lord Jesus shared those Beatitudes on the Sermon on the Mount, he gave this parable about these two builders. He said, one heard, and he built upon this rock, and the wind came, and the waves came, and the storm came, and the house stood. And one heard, and he built the house on the sand, and the wind came, and the waves came, and the storm came, and the house came down, and Jesus said, and great was its fall. This morning, we've heard these truths from the Word of God. Now, it's a question of us saying, yes, Lord, I want to be receptive to this. And I want to be open to what this week brings. I don't want to just be a hearer. I want to be a doer as well. Let's close with a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you so much for, for this this practical book that you've given. We think about how important it is for our faith to grow. That the Lord Jesus even asked the question that will he find faith when he returns to the earth? We think about um, how important it is for our faith not to get comfortable. But rather, Lord, that, that um, in your design, that you're not gonna break us, but that in your design, you're gonna bring 
circumstances into our lives, not to mock us, but to elevate us in spite of them and to allow our faith a chance to grow so that as your word promises, Lord, that we might be perfect, perfect and complete and lacking nothing, that we might be more like you, Lord. So we do ask that we would be mindful and we do ask that we would ask um, intelligently for wisdom and we thank you so much, Lord, for your grace. For we would ask it in your name. Amen.